Hello and welcome to the Tgram, the fortnightly podcast from Rujani Tea. I'm Varun Mahanta. Join me as I host folks from all over the world for conversations around our favorite beverage, tea. Is the kettle on? Is your tea steeping? Perfect. Let's get started. Today we're speaking with Michael Zoborowski of Seattle in the USA. We first met Michael at the World Tea Expo a few years back. He was then the brand ambassador and operations manager in the tea industry in Seattle. Michael has a major in history. He has toured China extensively and we've enjoyed his company at our Idobari and Rangajan Tea Estates in Assam. Welcome to the Tgram podcast, Michael. How are you? Thank you for having me. Very well. Very well. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Let's uh, begin by asking about your earliest association or memories with tea, Michael. It's kind of funny uh, that tea has had such a big impact on my life because I think I got started much later in life than most people. Uh, I didn't really become a regular consumer of tea until I was about 17. I left the States and I attended uh, Hong Kong Baptist University mm-hmm. uh, in college. And, uh, you know, uh, green tea was very popular, but y- everything was over either English tea, uh, as we called it, or green tea. And, you know, English tea is what we call black tea here in the States. And I came to just start having that uh, every morning. And I was sort of hooked in a good way uh, from there and uh, ended up traveling to the UK uh, mm-hmm. to sort of finish my education. And uh, obviously, as another very big tea drinking culture, I was you know exposed to uh, many different kinds of tea and just it, uh, it became part of my life uh, after that. So, yeah, I think I got started later in life as a tea drinker, but it was the start of something big. Yeah, as as they say, better late than never, right? Better late than never. That is correct. <laughs> uh, so what do you do today? And and are you still connected with tea in any way? Uh, I haven't worked in the tea industry for about four years now. So in, in 2009, I uh, was finished with university and uh, I was living in New York at the time and I left New York for Seattle. And so I've been in Seattle for the last uh, almost 12 years. 2009 was a time of uh, sort of global economic downturn for those uh, old enough to remember. And, uh, you know, I got a job waiting tables as a server at, at, a, at a tea restaurant, at a tea room here in town. And I slowly uh, worked my way up to management. And then the company mm-hmm. expanded and began send, uh, selling tea retail. Uh, mm-hmm. We started selling uh, online and then moved to selling online globally as well. And uh, I was able to sort of grow with that business and got into sourcing, importing, blending, and then the sort of business management uh, side of the tea business. But uh, now I work in the collectibles industry. I, I work for a company called Card Kingdom here in Seattle. Um, well, mm. yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a big jump from tea to the toy and hobby industry. But the one key thing that it has in common with my days in tea is that I still get to focus on a product that is focused on bringing people together 
uh, games Mm -hmm. and tea provide a vehicle for people to get together in an increasingly digital world. So I still get a lot of satisfaction out of it. And I still have enough connections in the tea industry to get some really good tea when I want to drink it. Yeah, that's 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 a good uh, that's a good bridge that you've built between what you did and what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, you said <clears throat> sorry, you said uh, Seattle. So Seattle is coffee capital of the world, right? Just as Melbourne is coffee capital of the world. <laughs> it is. <laughs> how, how did yes. <laughs> how, how did you how did you compete or collaborate with uh, with coffee during your time in tea? It, it's funny. It was a challenge and yet also ended up being a great opportunity as well because it was a challenge from the standpoint of like, hey, you have a city full of coffee drinkers, coffee shop on every corner type of town, and you're that's the market that you're competing in. But by being in this market, I was also able to work with uh, and visit the tea sourcers and tea blenders and tea distributors of companies like Starbucks, because that's Mm -hmm. a local company. And so Mm -hmm. while their primary product is coffee, they were really getting into the tea business in a big way Mm -hmm. at the same time I was. And Mm -hmm. so I got to meet some really good people over there and also get exposed to how a multinational corporation like that does business and how they get Mm -hmm. their tea and how they, uh, I guess really how their whole process works and they do, they have got some really good people over there still mm-hmm. to this day. So it challenging, but also rewarding, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. In, in fact, uh, the coffee roasters in Melbourne, they have such a great collaborative effort. And, you know, we, we always compare coffee uh, between Melbourne and Sydney and uh, the collaboration that we, uh, we see between the roasters here in Melbourne, uh, I think gives them the edge uh, over over you know other parts of Australia and maybe the world. So yeah, the collaboration is is definitely good when it comes to beverages. Is what I see overall. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. That's interesting though to think that there's a a I, I don't know you didn't use the word rivalry, but between Melbourne and Sydney, that uh, yeah. that, that comparison um, that often happens because we always have to sort of see how we stack up against someone else yeah yeah. (laughs) silly way we could do things so uh when you were a tea buyer uh what did you look for when you visited tea gardens around the world and uh and uh you know can you talk about your visit to assam and in particular idobari and rangajan as well yeah you know as a buyer what you looked for what i looked for Boy, you know, when I think back on it, it was uh, it was sometimes difficult as somebody new to the industry, new to the industry, to know what to mm. look for, and it really came back to three different things. Uh, one was an assessment of expertise. Uh, mm. One was an assessment of their process, and one was an assessment of their workers and their the mentality of the ownership. Um, mm-hmm. of the estate. And so what I mean by that, like expertise, for example, I was really impressed. You mentioned my trip to like Idiobari mm-hmm. and Rangajan. Rangajan. Uh, an example of that level of expertise would have been how they are able to deal with uh, red spider mm-hmm. and how quickly they can recognize it. And for, uh, for those who don't know, that's a, a common uh, pest mm-hmm. that affects 
tea leaves and the effective way in which they were able to uh, recognize and deal with it relative to others. In terms of their process, is it mechanized? Is it efficient? Is it effective? Are they working well, uh, collaborating between uh, technology and you know human intelligence? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and I was really impressed by a lot of what I saw there, uh, even... Uh, it wasn't at uh, Ideal Bar. Was, uh, I, I saw one point of 100% organic, sustainable small farm mm-hmm. uh, in Asan. And really, you know, in the scheme of things, remote part of the world. And it was uh, very, very impressive. And then in terms of the state of the, you know, the, uh, the conditions of the workers and the mentality of the ownership in terms of, um, in particular in Northeast India, you know, how forward thinking and proactive they are because it, the product is important, but forming a sustainable partnership as is just as important. And the tea industry in India is old and traditional and has a lot of sort of entrenched ideas, mm-hmm. right? It, and it's a very, very interesting challenge, I think, for owners of those estates and the people working those estates to keep the best parts of tradition while also keeping up with modernity as well mm-hmm. yeah that's really well put you know and I'm, I'm thinking back to my time as a so i'm a fourth generation planter myself <clears throat> michael as you know so yes. yeah i'm just thinking back to my five years that i spent uh and you know how uh how we had to have our eyes <laughs> peeled for red spider you know red spider can be so difficult to manage but yeah it, it it's very very invasive and it's 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 one of those things you don't hear about when you're so disconnected from where the product comes from. You know, if you're a yeah. buyer in the United States or Australia, for example, mm. but it has a huge effect on the cost of yeah. your product. You're listening to The T-Gram, the fortnightly podcast from Rujani Tea. To explore our world of Assam tea, visit the links on our podcast page or follow our social media handle, Rujani Tea, on your preferred channel. That's spelled R-U-J-A-N-I-T-E-A. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd love for you to follow us, rate this episode and spread the word. Now back to the podcast. In your experience, how has the North American consumer become more informed and educated about, uh, you know, the process or loose leaf tea or the tea that they're buying? <laughs> oh, wow. That's a really, really great question. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a question that I have sort of changed my mind on over time. Mm-hmm. Too, because I used to think that, and and this was sort of when I was in my prime, if you will, of working uh, with tea and others in the tea industry. I thought that I was living in sort of a golden age of consumers coming around to loose leaf tea, different kinds of tea, um, a, a better and more premium tea product we'll call it, and a more uh, more connectedness to where their tea comes from. And I think some of that may have been skewed by the circles that I was running in at the time. And so I, I can tell you that people in North America and certainly in the United States are consuming a, a lot of tea mm-hmm. uh, right now. If, uh, in uh, Before the disruption caused, uh, obviously, by the the coronavirus, you know, the United States imported more tea in terms of value mm-hmm. 
than any other country outside of Pakistan, somewhere mm-hmm. around half a billion dollars worth uh, U.S. dollars mm-hmm. in 2019. I think Canada was somewhere around 140 million. So that is a heck of a lot of tea. Yeah. And <laughs> so we know that consumption is going up and mm-hmm. we know that there is a, a lot of focus on sustainability and the health benefits of tea and certainly the ethics involved with supply chain. Um, mm-hmm. So you have a more informed consumer who mm-hmm. is uh, you know, uh, uh, trying to find out uh, as much as possible about these things. But at the same time, there is, uh, as you probably know um, from from being in the industry so long, there are incentives around, say, misinformation and careful marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, when by, <laughs> by careful marketing, I, I'm talking about, you know, marketing the health benefits of tea, for example. Mm-hmm. And that can be tricky territory, as you know, because... It, it it is a healthy product, um, but you kind of have to be careful about um, what you're what you're saying. It, 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 its health properties actually are, and consumers uh, aren't don't always have the tools to sort of dig deep and find out uh, what exactly is truth and what is what we'll call half truth um, about uh, what you're buying and where it's coming from. Fair, fair. So on, on, on that point, uh, what are your views on what a tea producer such as us, you know, uh, what do we need to do to educate the end customer, whether it's North America or, or other parts of the world where, where, where tea is a little disconnected from a growing sense, right? So you're far from, uh, far from the source. So how do you educate the end customer? What are your views? Oh, there's so much, isn't there? <laughs> Even what yeah. we were just talking about, I feel like I was a little vague with, uh, you know, how we can, it's like, okay, customers have a hard time parsing out what is truth and what is uh, skilled marketing. So how do we help them get to what truth is? And mm-hmm. uh, ultimately it's about educating, using the mediums that your customers are on. So this podcast mm-hmm. is a great example Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, YouTube, Reddit, yep. mm-hmm. meeting your end consumer where they are and working with distribution networks that are interested in bringing you closer to your consumer. Cause you, uh, you've seen that effect sometimes, right? Where the, uh, we'll call, we call them the, you know, the middleman wants to sort of shield the customer in some instances, uh, yes. from what costs, <laughs> um, yes. And, and that's not always great for anyone, is it? You know, when you ask about like, what, what can we do? Uh, it is using those platforms and really selecting the key issues that matter to you and matter to them. A good example would be the effect of climate change on the industry, because that is something in North America that we're very disconnected from. But you as someone who's close to the industry and in the industry knows a lot about that and the effect that it's had over the years. That's, that's really great insight for somebody like me, you know, so we, you, you speak of uh, uh, the distribution channels and the middleman and we've faced that. Like we are, we are obviously in comparison to the, the big players are really small player, very niche trying to pave our way into the loose leaf industry 
uh, across the world really right so that's the only way we can sustain uh, our 124 year old tea estate uh, and we keep we have great friends in the distribution uh, channels and spaces but you know they are very territorial so that's that's a big challenge for us i can imagine it's yeah. it uh, you know when we talked about the traditions of uh you know the the tea industry in places like darjeeling and and in assam Mm-hmm. you know the distribution networks also have entrenched traditions and one of those entrenched traditions is not revealing information to your cut because it protects your business as the traditional thinking and mm-hmm. okay okay so let, let's go back to something we talked about before I, i i mentioned earlier that the united states in 2019 imported somewhere around half a billion US dollars of tea. But when you look at the cash exchanged in the wholesale tea market in the United States in that same year, so that's that's the distribution network we're talking about, right? That's tea mm-hmm. getting from the grower and ultimately into the hands of the end customer. That market was around 12 and a half billion US dollars Whoa. in 2019. And now is that a one to one number of of course it's not because it, um markets don't exactly work like that. It's not one producer, one wholesaler, one retailer. But that is a pretty astonishing number. I mean, that is a difference of 12 billion US dollars. And yeah. so something is happening in between import and retail sale to the customer and it's not always in the best interest or the perceived best interest of someone in that supply chain to reveal how that works right i i think you know our focus has been to get direct to customer you know try as far as the specialty tea that we're trying to produce the small batch tea that we're trying to produce uh and yeah your advice on being available in the spaces that the end customer is prevalent uh is i guess the best way I, to go i agree it. yeah you, thanks thanks I, for that i i think it's smart of course oh of course well i mean thank you mm-hmm. for doing what you're doing because the you know the fact is we're not going to compete with unilever uh mm-hmm. or you know uh is it uh, tata that owns uh uh tetley yes. um you know those are very very large very very you know large corporations mm-hmm. and they obviously have uh not all of the market but if <laughs> effectively all of the market and we have to carve out our space and make sure that we know our customers inside and out um and i think that uh i think that you folks are doing a very good job of that really and i think it shows in the quality of the product and the sort of relationship building that i see on social media and on this podcast so well done yeah thank you thank you for that let's uh, let's flip it to uh, you know the tea drinker uh, so in your view why do you think tea drinkers who live very far from tea growing areas should reach out directly to tea growers from around the world you know what what do you think bridges the gap for the tea drinker well for that um customer who wants to be informed sort of like we were talking about before it, we have customers that are looking for more things than just 
a good product at a cheap price nowadays. They want to know about where it comes from and who's getting paid and is it ethical and sustainable and all those things. One of the best ways, if you're that consumer, to understand the inputs and outputs of those things that you're concerned about is to be in as close contact as possible with the grower because the grower is the person who understands the issues of the day, the short-term and long-term impact, and the history. Trying to think of a good example. Some years ago, the the subsidized good grain supply for tea workers was removed. Um, And the, uh, the grain subsidy was... I think it was withdrawn in 2015, but it had been around since, I don't know, uh, 1951, like the Plantation Labor Act. I don't know if you know. Yes, I think I think the, the Labor Act uh, legitimized it. Ah. But the, grain sub, the grain subsidy was there, you know, from the time of uh, the British. The colonial when, time. When it became, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. uh, the, the reason I'm bringing this up is, so it, to your point, it was there during... The colonial government, it was after mm-hmm. the colonial, and it only went away in, uh, uh, am I right, in 2015? That, that uh, yeah, around, around that time. Yeah. Yeah. That is a fairly large event in a major tea growing area of the world. No mm-hmm. one in my circle of colleagues in the tea industry at that time knew anything about that, what was going on mm-hmm. and what the implications of that could be on prices, on workers at all, because... Mm-hmm. That information, despite being an increasingly connected age, is still held by people in parts of the world where, uh, you know, those of us in, in the United States are just not necessarily that plugged into what's going on. And so the more informed you are as a customer, the more you understand the impact of your purchase you understand uh, ha- what is going on with the growers and laborers that produce your product. And ultimately, you're going to enjoy a better product, too, because the people yeah. close to the product know the different varietals better than you ever will. And so it's uh, not yeah. a bad way to enjoy a cup of tea either. That's true. And in fact, the latest development in that front is uh, the government of Assam has raised uh, the daily wage of tea workers by 30%. Uh, effective, effective the twentieth of February. So you know that's 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 a uh, you know a far-reaching consequence in itself for a lot of small tea growers such as ourselves. Uh, and you know how do we kind of adjust to that uh, wage increase? It, uh, is, is is playing on our minds? Oh, of course it is. Uh, the yeah, same yeah. thing is happening in you know Sri Lanka right now. I think they are yes. pushing for a similar increase uh, of a probably about thirty percent. I would say, yeah. and th- this is a gr- this is another great example of that disconnect, right? Because mm-hmm. well, when you talk about the dollar amount in U.S. dollars or in Australian dollars, the number seems uh, you know th- there's really no other way to say it. This isn't a value judgment; it just is what it is. It seems mm-hmm. so small to the average consumer in a Melbourne or in a Seattle. Because the daily wage of uh, you know a farm worker in Sri Lanka is you know less than five U.S. dollars a day, I believe, but the increase of thirty percent, 
you don't, uh, you, you're too far removed from the process to understand what impact that's going to have and what your purchase at the end of the day actually means for that. So true, true, yeah. absolutely true. And in fact, uh, you know, the, the daily wage is one aspect of it. Uh, and then all of the other welfare uh, activities that go into, especially SIM is very, very strictly governed from a labor welfare standpoint. Uh, that adds to it as well. And, you know, that's that's an unknown fact. Uh, that I mean, I think we're trying to educate as much as possible that it's no longer viable for us to sell our teas to the Unilevers and the Tatas uh, as a commodity. And we have to go back to uh, making our teas the original way of loose leaf tea and, you know, also enjoying it in that fashion, right? And that gives us, that gives us the opportunity to continue to help and, uh, you know, maintain the community of 150 farmers that we have in Idobari uh, that help us, the workers that help us at Idobari or Rangajan for that matter. I couldn't agree more. So this this has been a, an excellent discussion, uh, Michael. I'm I'm so happy that we did this. Oh, me too. Uh, and I and and I hope you're you're enjoying your cup of tea. And I hope uh, <laughs> we will we will stay connected uh, uh, through other such podcasts in the future on other topics. We certainly will. We certainly will. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Okay. Take care. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Send me your questions about today's episode and suggestions on what you'd like us to cover next here on the Tgram. The email address is thetgram at rujanitea.com. For a fix of the choices teas from Assam, visit our websites and stay connected through our social channels. You can find all the links on the podcast description banner. I'll see you here again in two weeks. Till then, take care.